2: It's Rick Tittle! All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. I am your humble host, coming to you from the friendly confines of Wrigley Field. I mean, the Sports Byline USA Broadcast Network home studios. Right here on Broadway. They say the neon lights up. Broadway just blocks from the bay. Where are you at? What you got? Who was the guy who said when hit the ball into McCovey Cove. He said he hit it into the ocean. It was a Dodger, right? Max Muncie. that was it. It ain't the ocean. <laughs> Usually an ocean doesn't have huge mountains eight miles on the other side of it, <clears throat> but that's okay. But suffice to say, downtown San Francisco is where the show originates, and uh, it's great to have you with us wherever you're listening. Dominic is poised like a jungle cat on the other side of the glass to put you on the air. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns about the world of sports, the number to call is 1-800-878-PLAY. Don't write it down. Dial it up. 1-800-878-PLAY. Play is 7529 to get you in and get you heard wherever you might happen to be listening. Girl, got some pretty good guests coming up on the show today. Baron Davis, the beard, the original beard, forget Harden. It was all about Baron Davis and uh, the We Believe team uh, for the Warriors. He's in a, a series called Small Business Revolution. His co-star Amanda Brinkman will join us. We have an in-studio guest with Karen Lyle for our SalesportTalk.com segment. A sailing scientist. How about that? That'll be in studio at 940. At 1012, it's tentative. We have an actress. Or we might not. We'll see what happens there. 1025, Dr. Jonathan Scheiman for Fit Biomics, and then 1040, Marcus Thompson, local guy, know the guy. He's written a new book called Dynasties, and then we'll check in with our Against the Number guest from London at uh, 1110. It's all here. Come on back, y'all.
3: Trade pros, whether you specialize in service or new construction, Ferguson knows firsthand how much work goes into a long day on the job which is why we're committed to offering the products and solutions to get every job done right. With over 1,000 locations, an unmatched selection of specialty products, tools, and supplies, our pro pickup and same or next-day delivery, you can trust that doing business with Ferguson will be the easiest part of your hard day's work. Visit ferguson.com to find a counter location near you.
4: Hey, team, we landed the contract. Yes. Kyo's web design studio just landed the gig of a lifetime. It starts next week. Their staff needs to double before so the dream sad. deal becomes a nightmare. We need front end, back end, a project manager. Indeed too. can help them hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Well, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. It's great to have you with us, and uh, always good to start with open lines if you wanted to get in, one eight hundred eight seven eight 878 play Once again, one eight hundred eight seven eight seven five two nine. 878 7529 that's what gets you in, and that's what gets you hurt. Uh, a little more baseball here, you know, it's, it's, it's depressing for me as an A's fan that, you know, hearing all these rampant rumors of Matt Olson being traded to the Yankees and David Forrest being interviewed in Carlsbad at the GM meeting saying, well, you know, every three or four years we rebuild again, and our owner, John Fisher, hasn't told us what the payroll would be. We haven't gotten any direction there yet. We haven't gotten any direction there yet. Let's get to that in a second, but let's go to Hell's Kitchen on the island of Manhattan. It's Charlie. What's up, dude? Well,
8: before you get into the A's, can we talk about the Raiders?
2: Let's talk about that 2020 draft class.
8: Oh my God! All right. I need about three segments. So you'll just have to deal with me. <laughs> but I, I, let me vent. I want. Well, I want let me, let me just
2: let me just remind everybody that the Raiders took seven guys and only three of them are still on the team. All right, your thoughts?
8: Exactly. Yes. Uh, and did you hear Mayock's press conference about that? How he was trying to defend himself and how? Uh, d- d- all right. The game. Carr is entitled. Every player is entitled to have a bad game. He he cost them that game, in my opinion. He, he the um, he was just off. And uh, you want to give credit to the Giants' secondary, which is a good secondary. But there is no way that the Raiders should have lost that game. I had tickets to that game. I was given. I was offered tickets. And you know what? My hunch told me. I said, I think I'm going to be disappointed and I'm glad I didn't go.
2: I was wondering if um, you were there so you you passed up a chance to go across the bridge or the tunnel and see your boys.
8: Yes, only because <laughs> I knew they would disappoint me. <laughs> and I did not want to be there disappointed and then sit in the parking lot for 3 hours waiting to to get home. Right. Um Listen, I'm left speechless with this. (laughs) Anyway, Carl, he was clearly off. I don't know why they were running the ball effectively, between the 20s at least. Why not keep running the ball until you force the Giants to stop you? I don't understand why they got away with it. Jacobs was running well until, again, he gets hurt, from what I understand. Kenyon Drake ran well. And if you're... They were taking everything deep away. I guess, in a sense, Ruggs' lack of appearance hurt them a little, but I don't think that cost them the game. Why didn't you throw to Waller 20 times like he did again in game one against the Ravens? Yeah. Um, it, it, this was a game where Carr needed to put the team on his back and win the game, find a way to win the game. He... he, he You know, if they were playing a top echelon team, if they were playing uh, the Ravens' defense or the Packers' defense or whomever, and they played like that, but you're playing against the Giants, who half the team is on COVID, has COVID. Their offensive line, I think, started four left tackles or four left guards. Listen, the Raiders' defense played well. They gave up 16 points. uh, You know, but uh, you had an opportunity to go six and two. Yeah, this team coming out of the bye is three and sixteen lifetime. That is beyond pathetic. I that that is I don't even understand how that is even feasible. Um, final play. Uh, well, on the, uh, the I assume you saw the game. Of course. All right, Jacob. I was taught. I mean, I never played collegiate football, but I played high school football. I've, when there's a fumble, fall on the ball. Jacobs <laughs> tried to pick it up and play hero ball. a little. They would have lost the game anyway. But just little things like that. Yeah. Um. All right. Anyway, that's that's my point on the game. I uh, Car Car. That's why Car is a good quarterback. He's having a great season overall, but he'll never be that great quarterback. That top tier quarterback.
2: Yeah. And but I and, I, and state, I agree I, with you. I agree with you. Seventeen games. If you don't have a stinker, then you're having you know one of those epic Peyton Manning, Tom Brady type of seasons. He was going to have a stinker, and Xavier McKinney, who I loved in the draft, they they show why he was a high pick. He totally deked Carr twice on those, and yes. uh, and yeah, he had a bad game. What are you going to do? All
8: right. I, anyway, so if they beat the Chiefs this week, if they beat the Chiefs this week, then we're in business. I mean, right? They're, they're, you know, you, t- you take it for what it's worth. All right, so, uh, Damon Arnett, the level of stupidity for this guy to, to put that stuff on social media, brandishing an, an automatic rifle and threatening someone's life, is beyond the pale. Yep. This guy should have been cut because he stinks. Right. But for him to do something like that, I, what goes through a player's head to do something? Oh, like, Please explain to me why he would do that.
2: I think that, and listen, I at the the time I I completely clowned on that pick, and this was a guy who you know quit the team and he came back for his fifth year and and uh, he had all these problems off the field and then he said I don't even like playing football, and the uh, he was a day two pick at the highest and and Mayock went back into the first round and got him, it was a, it was a horrible pick. Statistically, he was the worst corner in football last year. He didn't even start uh, this no, year. Don't. And uh, I think what it is is the same thing with Henry Ruggs. You're 22 years old, you're a millionaire, you're in Vegas, and you think you are invincible. Um, but the other thing is, at least, and I'm not trying to say this is an excuse, uh, but when when these guys get all uh, hyped up on drugs, you know, whatever, I don't know what uh, the um, the impairing... Uh, you know, qualities of rugs. I don't know if it was alcohol, pills, whatever, but I'm sure Damon Armet had to be hopped up because if he wasn't, then he's legally insane. Because you're right to post a death <laughs> to post a death threat. Did he really think? I don't care if you're a, a toll booth operator; you're going to get fired. What did he think would happen as an NFL player?
8: Yes. Anyway, so my my final point about this whole Raider situation, Mayock is a gruden guy. He should not be a GM. This guy, uh, I I don't know if he was right. I read it online somewhere. He says the worst thing that this team could do is go 10-7 and and make a wild-card spot and then you know probably lose in that first game. They'll give this coach a three-year contract or a five-year contract, and he's not capable of, of, in my opinion, leading this team to that next level. The best thing, which I, mean, I can never root for this team to lose, especially on Sunday between between the Sundays, I could I could say this. Once a game starts, I'm I'm all in. Yeah. But the best bet is to bring in a new GM, a new a new brain trust, bring in their new car. We've talked about it before. Oh, there's a slew of young candidates ready to coach. Bring it in and clean house. I hate to say that this team has some young good parts on it, but the, the, Gruden and Mayock. Single-handedly, are destroyed this team yet again. This team is going through this. I, your final thought: Do you think they should be going through another rebuild at this point?
9: No, bring in a new coach.
2: No, you don't GM? because no because Carr is what is he? He's second behind Brady in yards per passing. You have a quarterback who's not great, but worst quarterbacks have won the Super Bowl. We've we've seen guys win Super Bowls with Trent Dilfer and Brad Johnson, and Carr's better than those guys. So that you have the guy, he's contract is just about up. It's not, it's not a time to rebuild. And the last time they had an interim guy in cable and Pat Hill said no, and Bobby Petrino said no, and Russ Grimm said no. And Ken Wisenhut said no. and Steve Sarkeesian said no. So he was their sixth choice. So I hope they don't go to risk be Full time. I, I agree. Anyway, that's all I got. Thank you for letting me
8: vent. I'll keep listening. Thanks Charlie. I
2: appreciate Charlie out there in New York city and, uh, yeah, you don't you don't keep an interim guy unless he was gonna be the guy. You know, like if Belichick quit and they put in Josh McDaniel and they were gonna keep let him have the job anyway, but you don't just take some special teams coach and go, Hey, we're two and one with him, let's keep him forever. All right, coming up next, Baron Davis.
1: That's 800-760-1845.
11: Oh, I would love
8: that. And then maybe afterwards we can go field herping. That's when you go out and you look (laughs) for reptiles.
12: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
2: No, I feel so. I feel bad about that. Now the poor donkey, had, it bounced off his face. All right, um, we're. Uh, I always like the verb "efforting." We're "efforting" to get Baron Davis, and uh, we have him. Okay, great. Joining us on the line right now, coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. By the way, Rick Tittle with you, uh, former NBA star Baron Davis, and actus, actress Amanda Brinkman. And they're here to talk about Small Business Revolution, which is going to be in their uh, sixth season now. And uh, ladies first, uh, Amanda, this uh, show uh, takes uh, applied business knowledge and it puts it into some communities. And And this season, six black-owned small businesses in the uh, in the Twin Cities. Is this right?
13: That is correct, yeah. So each season of the Small Business Revolution, we strive to really revitalize the community through its businesses so it is essentially a, a small business makeover show but done with heart And we always walk alongside the entrepreneurs and help them with things like marketing and finance but the whole point of the show is really to celebrate the story of the entrepreneur in each episode because we're really just trying to inspire more people to understand the importance of supporting small businesses and so we're very excited for our sixth season to have brought it home to Minneapolis and St. Paul and you're right. We're featuring all Black-owned businesses in six different neighborhoods across the Twin Cities. And uh, it dropped today on Hulu and SmallBusinessRevolution.org. And we are, just cannot wait for people to see it.
2: Great stuff. And uh, Baron, for you, you've you've been such a successful entrepreneur after you know an amazing NBA season, a two-time All-Star, what have you. But where did you get that entrepreneurial spirit and knowledge was that high school college or when you were a pro when did you get so savvy at uh, these kind of investments
14: uh i would say for me it was just you know being young and being somebody who was always listening you know uh taking advice you know from older athletes watching some of my teammates watching guys who came before me um and you know when i was in high school i wanted to have my own clothing line you know, when I was playing basketball, uh, they wouldn't let me do it, so I was just trying to figure out every which way around it. And you know, I think that just led to hustle and and always looking at how can I um, how can I figure out how to like work my way around this, and how can people understand me better? You know, so I can help help build myself up to know how to do stuff, and that was really what it was. It was just uh, curiosity and, like, wanting to, like, really just be a business and have something to hold on to.
2: Yeah, and uh, your acting chops, too, we, we've seen you around, is is that just, I mean, it's too easy to say, well, you grew up in Southern California, you know, best player in high school in the country to go to UCLA, of course you want to be a movie star, but <laughs> was that something that you always wanted to try the acting
14: Yeah, I, I I did. I ain't gonna lie, man. <laughs> I, you know, I've been kind of closet, like a closet actor. You know, I went to a private school. So, you know, you seeing Denzel Washington pick his kid up from the school, Dustin Hoffman coming to your basketball game. <laughs> you know, not that I think, not that I thought that I would be an actor. I just wanted to be, you know, in that creative space. And then uh, I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not afraid to like jump out there, fall on my face, and you know whether I'm funny or not. Uh, sometimes I just think I'm funny, and whether it works, it works. And it don't. I, think funny. <laughs> I think you're. I, I, I think you're funny. <laughs> I actually took my 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 acting lessons from you. I didn't know you were an actress. You know, but just, <laughs> business, it. business, and actress. <laughs>
2: Well, Amanda, tell us a little bit more about Deluxe Corp because you've been you having such a wealth of experience in marketing and brand management and all that stuff.
13: Well, thank you. So, uh, you know, Deluxe is you know ultimately a payment and technology company, and we love supporting small businesses, enterprise clients, and financial institutions with a whole range of services. Um, so... For us, the Small Business Revolution is a really wonderful way for us to demonstrate what we do every day for millions of small businesses across the country. But instead of just doing kind of an ad campaign that talks about our website services or our promo and apparel, we instead wanted to put our money where our mouth is and go out and actually invest in real businesses and show what a difference these kinds of marketing products and services can make in the lives of, of real business owners. So that for us, you know, the Small Business Revolution is just a wonderful way for us to. You know, kind of turn that brand purpose into brand
2: action. A couple more questions for Baron Davis and Amanda Brinkman, Small Business Revolution Season Six. Baron, I'm a East Bay native and lifelong Warrior fan, and and in my fifties, I was I was at the game when you guys knocked out Dallas. It was so cool. But I think for some of the younger kids, when they see your dunk on uh, Karolinko with the hand in his face, still my favorite <laughs> favorite dunk of all time. Yeah. I think a lot of people think that he was just some schlub, and I'm like, no, AK 47 was actually a good player. That t- that made the dunk even better.
14: Yeah, uh, AK 47, probably one of the better defenders of all time in our league. Uh, you know, it's unfortunate. <laughs> it's unfortunate he has to be on the other end of that. I think <laughs> people, uh, you know, forget how great of a player he was and how pivotal he was for Europeans and European basketball you know, especially in that era. But, uh, you know, it was, I always say it's like a moment where some some people come up to me and be like, yo, you defined my childhood. <laughs> and
9: I'm
14: like, all right, if, if that's what I did. Um, but it, it was cool. You know, my Warrior days were like some of the best playing days I've had in my career. Um, and it was mostly like the fans and just, you know, I, I would say that my most memorable thing about the Warriors is just, crossing the bridge from San Francisco to Oakland, my playlist, and getting out that gym and, and taking that same walk that Steph Curry takes, right? Um, it's just magic in that arena. It was just magic in Oracle and something that, you know, I, 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 I will always feel that when I walk in that
2: place. That's very cool. And, you know, as I mentioned, you were the Gatorade National Player of the Year and, and you played for the Bruins. You got to stay home and your family and friends could see you. But how close... Did they almost get you at Kansas? How close did Coach K almost get oh my you?
14: Gosh. I, uh, I was close to Duke. I would say Duke was probably where I wanted to go, where I thought I should have went. But deep down inside, I was just you know nervous about leaving my grandma and leaving home. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kansas, Kansas was close. I love Roy Williams. Is when I went to Kansas, I don't think it was gonna happen because I was like. You know, I can't really play no basketball this way. You know what I mean? Um, you know, Jock Vaughn was there, and uh, I love Jock Vaughn, but I didn't see myself, you know, being a Jock Vaughn type point guard. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I think, you know, home was home, and I, I just love my granny so much and, and my and my friends. I wanted the young point guards in L.A. to be able to come up to the games and watch me play as a Bruin so they'd go to UCLA
2: too. Very cool. And uh, Amanda, one more question for you. Uh, obviously, uh, this is an important uh, show. Where can we get our eyes on it? Where do we go for Small Business Revolution?
13: You can watch all six seasons of the Small Business Revolution on Hulu or it streams online for free at smallbusinessrevolution.org.
2: Last question for you, Baron. You just talked about yourself going from the city to the town, and, of course, now the Warriors are still in the Bay, but they're across the bridge. And, you know, as an Oakland guy, it, it hurts me. I'm glad they stayed in the Bay Area. But um, a little bit of a different crowd. You need a little bit more money to go to the place now. What do you think about them going from Oakland to San Francisco? Uh, you
14: know, I felt like it was going to happen at some, at some point. Mm-hmm uh you know the town is the town town business man you already know that <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like you, you can't get rid of the essence of the town but i think you know san francisco going to give it you know that broadway that big corporate a- appeal mm-hmm. you know the warriors did what they were supposed to do um you know they rocked out uh and now i think they do need you know a bigger space a nicer space to continue to attract the, uh, the free agents that they want to
2: attract. There he is, number five, at least for the dubs, the two-time all-star, Baron Davis, along with Amanda Brinkman. Make sure to check out Small Business Revolution, Season 6, Hulu, and others. And, yeah.
14: and then we, we, when you refer to Amanda, you have to refer to Amanda as the Steph Curry of Small <laughs> Business
2: <laughs> Revolutions. There she is. She's the, she's the goat. Of small business <laughs> <laughs>
13: <Thank laughs> revolution.
2: All right, hey, thanks you too. Congratulations on the great work.
13: All right, thank, thank you so you. much.
2: All right, you're welcome. And um, for people who don't remember that team, the the Warriors. Uh, when I was ten years old, they won the NBA championship, and they didn't win it again until I was fifty years old. Yeah, <clears throat> a little bit of a uh, a wait. And there were two fun times in those 40 years. One was called Run TMC. That's when Don Nelson had Tim Hardaway and Chris Mullen and um, Mitch Richmond. And that was a a fun team with Sharunas Marshallonis and Terry Teagle and Tom Tolbert and guys like that. But the We Believe team, the eighth seed over the one, I remember looking down, Mark Cuban, the confetti coming down. That was so fun when they won that game. And I was there as a fan. It was awesome. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come on back on Sports biling.
11: This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk, and I'm here in studio with Charlie Deist. He is a volunteer for the San Francisco Sailing Science Center. Charlie, tell us a little bit about what fascinates you about sailing and science and why you volunteer.
15: Well, first it was the sailing. Uh, The science was the area that I felt like I had the most room for improvement. I'm a a media guy myself. Uh, I've been producing radio and podcasts for several years. So when I met Jim, I saw two opportunities one was to use some of my skills in that department, uh, but also to bolster some of my my own knowledge and, and resources around. The, the science of this activity that I've come to, to really love as my, my primary hobby and, and also an avocation.
11: Jim, you're referring to is James Hancock, who's the founder of the San Francisco Sailing Science Center. Tell me a little bit about your own sailing experience. I know you have a couple of boats. You're out there on the water a lot. You teach, you sail, you just really enjoy the water. What is it about the nature and the physics of nature that really fascinates you the most when you're in the sailor role?
2: Well,
15: I was a beginner not too long ago. About 10 years ago, in my early 20s, I started sailing. And as most beginners to the sport of sailing, I had my fair share of missteps. And I was humbled by San Francisco Bay more than a few times, but eventually with practice and uh, just taking every opportunity that I could to get out on my own boats, on other people's boats, I I started to get my bearings. And you get this sort of intuitive sense of how the waves and the wind interact. But having a scientific understanding of it, I think, just kind of takes it to the next level. Uh, The day that I uh, first met Jim and learned about the Sailing Science Center, I had sailed over from Berkeley on my Columbia 24 to the St. Francis Yacht Club, which hosts their Wednesday yachting luncheons. I think that that was a, you know, a typical summer day in San Francisco, so winds blowing 20 knots or so. Fortunately, I think that it was flooding at the time. When, when the westerly winds clash with the, with the ebb tide, it can lead to a, a pretty nasty surf there. But, but it, was, it was a good day for sailing, and it turned out to be a, a good day for, for my own kind of personal development.
11: Well, and for those who know anything about the moon and tides, we have a flood and an ebb twice a day. Floods coming through the Golden Gate, right there in St. Francis Yacht Club.
15: It's kind of a funny balance because the the flood, on the one hand, it's uh, it, it creates better conditions uh, when combined with the westerly winds. Although, if you're trying to get from Berkeley heading east toward uh, against the flood, basically it slows you down. So there's all these trade offs. And learning to sort of sync up with the tides and currents, I think, has also been uh, almost a spiritual thing for me. It's a way to connect to nature on a level that most people just aren't used to thinking about.
11: I really appreciate you coming and sharing your story with us and hope to have you back, Charlie. Thank you so much. This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk.
2: Welcome back to Sports Byline, USA Coast to Coast, border to border and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. As always, on Tuesdays at this time, we check in with our co-host of this segment, Karen Lyle for Salesportstalk.com as we get out there on the seven seas once again. Karen in studio, how are you?
11: I'm doing great. It's so good to see you, Rick.
2: Good to see you in the flesh as well. And also in studio, we're quite happy to have James Hancock, and he's the president and founder of the San Francisco Sailing Science Center, located on Treasure Island. James, welcome in studio, and first of all, Treasure Island has been going through so many changes. I used to go there as a kid when my dad was a naval officer to, you know, uh, get breakfast and pancakes and things, and then it went through kind of a, a phase where it was a little bit stagnant, and now they're just like raising everything. It's a real renaissance going on there, isn't it?
16: Yeah, it is, Rick. And, you know, that's been in development for more than 20 years now since they sh- shut down the Navy base in 1997. So what's been happening is there's been a lot of planning in the background, but, and now finally they're starting to, to move dirt. And I say finally. It's been a few years. But they're they've gotten to the vertical development where they're putting in new buildings. They're still working on some of the horizontal development, the water mains, the electricity, and so forth.
11: Jim, I know that you are a sailor and you've been doing sailing all around the world. Can you tell us um, a little bit about why you feel sailing science is so important and what your passion for this new project is that's going into Treasure Island?
16: Well, you know, some of it goes back to my own background, which, you know, I started as a sailor and sailing as a teenager, and I developed a love for that, but also. You know, I grew up with a dad who's an engineer, so I wanted to be an engineer and wanted to be a sailor, and I studied naval architecture and marine engineering in college, and they do go very well together, the science uh, of the sailing, and it goes a lot beyond just what people think of the science of sailing, which is the fluid flow, you know, the hydrodynamics and aerodynamics of the sail and so forth. But I think that, you know, as an activity, it's both challenging and fun but also very educational in a lot of ways. Excuse
2: me. You mentioned the science of it, and that's what I was thinking, you know, dual hull versus single hull and things like that. And now we see with the SAIL GP where they're literally coming out of the water and on, on foils. What are some of the uh, latest uh, breakthroughs and trends that you're seeing with all that?
16: Well, I think that some of the things that are really interesting are of course, the material sciences, because a lot of the theory for this has been around for you know decades or, or actually 100 years or more, but we couldn't actually do it because we didn't have the materials to do it. Now with carbon fiber and things like that, we can make these foils that are small enough and strong enough to, to do what you're seeing. So that, that area is interesting. My, my own personal area of highest interest is the human factors and how, how we interact with the, the boats. Um, at the you know at the highest levels of sailing, like the America's Cup, these guys are you know world class athletes, and that's you know that's one of the things we have to understand that you have to have very fast reaction times. You've got to have really good cardio. Um, you know it, it's also very much a, a mental game. Like if you looked at the 2013 America's Cup, when uh, Team New Zealand nearly capsized, and Dean Barker was the skipper then. And he got totally rattled by that, right? He was never able to race again after that. That was that was game over for him, and that was entirely a mental thing. Hmm.
11: Well, and thinking about a, a sailing science center, you have exhibits in there. How can have you started to plan any of these exhibits? Um, do you have an example of something that you? Know, because this is for the general public and for for kids as well.
16: Yeah, great question, Karen. So where we are right now, the The plan, let's start with the long-term vision, which is in, let's say, five to seven years, and I can give you (laughs) a reason for that, but in five to seven years that we're a world-class museum with 200 to 300 exhibits, right now we have seven exhibits and a trailer. And, you know, the first exhibit that we did, we called the Land Yacht Experiment Table, and it consists of a table with, start out with one fan at the end, now it has 15, uh, computer fans, and little cars with sails on them, and the cars sail upwind, which is counterintuitive for most people. It's like, well, they get how something will blow downwind, but what makes it go toward the wind? And, you know, so this is this is part of the magic, I think, of sailing, is that, that you can produce these unexpected results.
2: A couple more questions for James Hancock of the San Francisco Sailing Science Center. Rick Tittle and Karen Lyle with you. Uh, sailing is as old as human history, and yet it's also cutting edge, as we said. Um, but I remember in my house on the wall, we had the John Macefield poem there, I must go down to the seas again, lonely sea in the sky, and all I ask is a tall ship and a star to steer her by, and it goes on. But how much can you still rely on astronomy to navigate?
16: Well, you know, we're putting up our own astronomy these days in the form of GPS satellites. So... If the, if the question is, can we still navigate with celestial navigation? The answer is absolutely yes. You know, and I studied celestial navigation, and I I used it really more for fun and as, okay, if we get struck by lightning and all the electronics go out, it would be nice to still get home, right? And I, <laughs> you know, I was able on a trip back from Hawaii to consistently get our latitude within uh, one. One minute of latitude, which is one nautical mile. Wow. Well, that's easily good enough to get you to the Golden Gate, right? If you can, if you know what your latitude is. So, and and you don't even need a chronometer for that, right? You don't even need a timepiece. So, so it's still it, you know, it's still a viable technology, but it, nobody's really using it.
11: Jim, one of the things you said you're interested in is the human factor, and I'm also interested in the human factor. I'd like to know: Have you ever had a a, a a life-changing defining moment out there, you know, in 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 the ocean and the in the water on a boat that that just really impacted you in some way. And if so, could you tell us a little bit about that?
16: Yeah, well, you know, the most transformational moment I had was on a passage that my wife, now ex-wife, and I made from New Zealand to Tonga. Um and we got caught in about four or five days of gales. The The worst conditions were roughly 50 knots of wind Jeez. and 25 to 30-foot breaking waves. Every single one of them was breaking. And we nearly pitch-pulled at one point. And we were hove to in the afternoon. That means the, the boat was stopped. It was balanced under sail. And she says, you know, I don't want to die out here. And uh, as, as the skipper, captain of the boat, just the two of us on the boat, I reassured her, said, hey, we just— you know, we got new rigging. Everything's in good shape. It's just going to be miserable for a while. But what I was saying in my heart was, I don't want to die out here either. And it was, <laughs> you know, that was a real possibility. And like, I came out of that uh, really transformed in having more gratitude for my life mm-hmm. and also seeing a lot of things um, that we get stressed out about in, in our day-to-day lives as being much less significant. When, when you are in a position, and even just, um, you know, in more, I'll say, day-to-day cruising or, you know, ocean sailing, you, you have situations where the decisions that you make actually do have life-or-death consequences, and most of the decisions we make in our day-to-day lives don't have those kinds of consequences, but we react emotionally as though, as though they do. And so being able to get that context, and I don't wish that kind of experience on anybody, but at the same time, it was, I would say, the most valuable experience I've had in my life.
11: Thank you for sharing that.
2: That's really cool. On your business card, you gave us one of the little uh, symbols is of the uh, the sextant. And this is, I'm a bit of a neophyte. How does the sextant work, uh, you know, in principle?
16: Yeah, great question, Rick. So the idea is that as we're standing on or floating on the surface of the earth that we have celestial bodies above us and if you were to use gravity as a you know a vector toward that body that body which could be the sun or the moon or venus or whatever will have what's called a geographic position in other words it's directly above a particular place on the earth. Hmm. And if you use the sextant, you can measure the angle from where you are to that celestial body. That gives you what's called a circle of position, okay? So it's like, it's like this cone that you drew out from the geographic position of the, of the celestial body. So now you've got one, I'm going to call it a line, but it's a curved line, a circle of position on the globe. If you can get a second one of those that crosses, now you know where you are. And you need charts though right you need charts, and you also typically you need an almanac so you so that you can decipher what is the geographic position of the of that body at that time and then and then typically you need a chronometer although there's there's things you can do with the sun to get the latitude without without having a chronometer.
11: <laughs> I might mention that um, I was at the gala fundraiser for for the Sailing Science Center. Thank you for inviting me. And that your honored guest, John Arndt, who is the publisher of Latitude 38, is our sponsor for this segment. And so um, we want to s- certainly thank him for for being our advertising sponsor for this, but this is one of the things about the sailing community. People really lend a happy hand in every way and really reach out. Um, you know, people have more than one role. That's for sure.
2: Do you have a sort of a holy grail
16: destination or craft that you would like to master? Craft. Um, well, that's an interesting. So there's two questions there, destination and, and craft. Mm-hmm. But um, I think mastery is is elusive, that you know, I think we really always want to be students and so we're we're mastering things, but I don't know about ever mastering things. Um and if it's one thing it would be actually would be leadership um, you know, above uh sailing. And I, I, I continue to be interested in sailing and science and, and these other things. But I think that, you know, as as a world community we have the biggest challenges we've ever faced. I think that that's, you know, very arguable as, you know, <laughs> human humankind on the planet. But at the same time, we have the best tools for solving those challenges that we've ever had. And I do believe that it's technical challenges that we've created for ourselves will be solved by technical solutions, science and engineering. But we also have social issues that we have to deal with. And those will be those will be solved through good leadership.
2: Very interesting. I want to recommend everybody check out the website, sailingscience.org. Once again, sailingscience.org. And we've been speaking with the president and founder of the San Francisco Sailing Science Center, James Hancock, in
16: studio. Thank you so much for coming in. It's been fascinating. Yeah, thanks so much, Rick. Really enjoyed it. And uh, good talking to you and Karen.
11: Thank you so much. And Latitude 38 is also a great place to check out our sponsor.
2: Latitude38.com. Check it out. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and we'll come on back on Sports Byline.
1: Seventeen fifty nine. Hello? You there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo! I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa! That's ridiculous! Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS insurance right now, and get your car washed please 800 756 3744 800 756 3744 800 756 3744
6: that's 800 756 3744
18: where did you get those clothes at the toilet store
12: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
2: Well, 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 what do you think of that? Kind of hell, kind of show you got going on here. Oh, that's right. All comers, baby. All comers. Come on in. 1-800-878-PLAY. 1-800-878-7529. Every once in a while, just for fun, I look at the power rankings. And it's just basically a way of an internet or media, paper, whatever it is, outlet to say, these are the best teams on the big board, 1 through 32 in the NFL. 32 is very easy that's the Lions. 31 is easy. That's the Texans. They only have one win. Lions have zero. But I just want to look who they have the top ten. And they have the Cardinals at number one. And winning on the road in San Francisco without Kyler Murray was very impressive. As the, as much dysfunction as the Niners have, they have talent on that team. So that was uh, very interesting. And then the wheels are flying off in, in Santa Clara. But the Packers come in at 2, and they found out what life is like without Aaron Rodgers. It's not pretty. Then they have Titans. Titans. But going to L.A. and winning without Derrick Henry was very impressive. And you could say the Titans are the best team in the AFC now. And then you get the Bucks. They went into their buy-off of a loss, which means that fire is really going to get lit, and they're going to get Washington to beat on. And then they have uh, the Ravens. This is at CBSSports.com. The Ravens at five made it interesting (laughs) against the Vikings, one and OT. The Bills at six, and that Jaguars lost. That if you've ever had a wake up call in your life as a team, it is the it's losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars now. And then the uh, Rams, Cowboys. The Cowboys are still top ten after what they did against the Broncos and you say well they do have 6 wins. Then you have a whole bunch of teams with 5 wins. And I mean a whole bunch. Chargers, Saints, Chiefs, Patriots, Steelers, Raiders, Browns, Bengals. And I'm sorry, I still don't take the Bengals seriously when I probably should. All right, we got another 2 hours to go. Come on back on Sports Bio.
19: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
20: The Biden administration told a court on Monday it has clear authority to impose a COVID-19 vaccine rule on employers with at least 100 staff and that a court's order on Saturday blocking the rule could cost dozens or even hundreds of lives daily. As people return to work, the federal government says they risk accelerating the spread of COVID-19 without the rule. Government lawyers filed their complaint in the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Two weeks after the European Union Parliament voted 580 to 26 on a resolution to strengthen European Union-Taiwan relations, an official delegation of lawyers traveled to Taiwan for the first time to deliver a simple message, you are not alone. Taiwan is an industrialized democracy that has been facing growing military intimidation from the Chinese government, which views the self-governing island as a breakaway territory and must be brought under its control. USA Radio News.
21: Hear that? That's the sound of a man guarding his home around the clock. <coughs> because he has 24-7 professional monitoring from SimpliSafe Home Security. With 24-7 professional monitoring, SimpliSafe keeps watch night and day. If there's trouble, SimpliSafe alerts him and will dispatch emergency help when needed. Get free shipping with the order of a new system at SimplySafe.com today.
18: Just in time for Christmas, Mike Lindell has dropped the price of the standard classic MyPillow, regularly $69.98 to nineteen ninety eight. dollars Now, queen and king size slightly higher, but that price includes a free press and pack bag so you can take your MyPillow with you anywhere. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use my promo code USA, or call 1-800-951-8175. Support Mike Lindell and American Jobs and give MyPillow for Christmas.
20: In the last couple of weeks, two Americans have lost their lives because of the actions of illegal immigrants allowed into the country by the Biden administration's open border policy. Now some lawmakers are fed up with the federal government, ignoring the needs of our people.
17: Representative Chip Roy, Republican of Texas, blasted the Biden administration's incompetent immigration policies, saying blood is on his hands. The Texas congressman appeared on the Faulkner Focus Monday.
6: We're losing care. we got Border Patrol agents that we're we're bleeding out. About half of our Border Patrol agents may leave. Law enforcement that are not on the job in New York. Firefighters that are missing. Why? Because of an unnecessary virtue signaling mandate from a president who barely even knows where he is in the morning. From the USA
17: Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards.
20: After the huge success on other platforms, Instagram is implementing ways to let users support the people they follow with money. Expect a new Instagram launch soon with a new subscription platform to be included. USA Radio News. Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United
22: States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet.
14: Pleasant dreams, Mm Hmm. (laughs)
18: the greatest radio shows of all time USA Classic Radio Theater on these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater USA Classic Radio Theater
20: AS REPUBLICANS STORMED LAST TUESDAY'S ELECTIONS IN VIRGINIA, NEW JERSEY AND OTHER LOCATIONS ACROSS AMERICA, MANY FOLKS ARE NOT HAPPY WITH THE DIRECTION OF AMERICA UNDER PRESIDENT BIDEN'S AGENDA. REPUBLICAN SENATOR TIM SCOTT FROM SOUTH CAROLINA ON FOX NEWS EXPLAINS THE FORMULA THAT GLENN YOUNGKIN USED IN VIRGINIA TO DEFEAT SOCIALIST AGENDAS.
23: I'VE BEEN, I've been TRYING TO SAY IT FOR A LONG TIME AND he's, HE JUST DID IT. HAPPY WARRIORS ATTRACT A BIGGER CROWD. That POLITICS IS A GAME OF ADDITION that talking about education is something that we as republicans should always focus on having parental involvement is key well, i've talked about the importance of school choice and education equality for a long time he has run on those issues that the that resonate with the average person in this country we're going to, have to just talk plain english to our folks and when we do when we champion the causes that they believe in the most we're going to be okay
20: NBC News reported Monday, a new study finds that eating more animal fat is linked to a higher risk of stroke, but the risk is reduced if people get their fat from vegetable sources, even in larger amounts. Participants who ate more amounts of animal fats, excluding dairy fat, were 16% more likely to have a stroke than those who ate the least amount of animal fat. The report concluded if everyone could make small modifications such as reducing red meat and processed meat intake, the implication for public health would be huge. I'm Lance Pry and this is USA Radio News.
2: Welcome back to, I always hate the inhale, by the way, and I just did it. It's one of my cardinal sins. I'm kind of a stickler, old school broadcaster, and it, it always surprises me so many times on like KCBS, which is a fantastic, you know, news organization, and they have so many great reporters, and they go, we now go to Bob Smith in the field, and he goes, well, I'm like, come on, man, you should never hear the inhale. You know who cares? Nobody but me. Um, But anyway, Steph Curry last night with another 50-point game. 9 of 18 from 3. That's 50%, y'all. 10 assists, 3 boards away from the triple-double. He was great. When he was on the court, the Warriors were a plus 31. (laughs) I mean, that's that's video game stuff. And then... If you'd say who was the second best player in the game, you'd look at the stat sheet and you'd see Gary Payton the second, twenty-one minutes, two points, fouls out. That's why there are lies, there are damn lies, and there are statistics. Gary Payton the second was amazing last night, and when he was on the floor, he was a plus twenty-two. He also had three steals. So this was a guy. Remember the Warriors cut in camp, and uh, now he's. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I'd say he's probably moved ahead of the Juan Toscano-Andersons, who still plays as well, but I thought it was interesting that uh, Jim Barnett, who uh, is this such a gentleman, former first-round pick of the Celtics, if you want to follow him on Twitter, he's UOgrad66. Yeah, he graduated from Oregon in 1966. But he tweeted out how great Gary Payton 11 was. <laughs> I think he meant I-I, but that's all right. Gary Payton 11... <clears throat> Uh, and as he said they asked where you know you had that dunk the other day where do you get your hops and said not from my dad (laughs) I guess mom had the hops but uh, yeah the Warriors are just downright exciting and downright really good knock on wood as uh, long as uh, Steph is out there All 1-800-878 play to call in we got open lines come on back on byline Don't miss See Better, Drive Safer Month
3: at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Right now, get a $15 gift card after mail-in rebate when you purchase a pair of select wiper blades. Our professional parts people will even install them for free. Plus, earn triple-O rewards points. Get ready for the weather ahead during See Better, Drive Safer Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. O, O, O,
5: O'Reilly Auto Parts.
1: Eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero, eight hundred three zero six one seven six zero. that's eight hundred three zero six seventeen sixty.
16: I need a tech gift my wife can use at home, the office, or on the road. It's possible with Staples Connect.
7: I need a gift for the person who has everything. Everything, including a super thoughtful daughter.
24: Also possible, because Staples Connect has the innovative tech gifts your loved ones need to work and learn from anywhere. Like right now, save up to $50 on select Apple AirPods. This holiday, explore what's new at your local Staples store or staplesconnect.com. Staples Connect, the working and learning store. Ends 1120, limit two, while supplies last.
7: Hour 2 of Titillating Sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour 2 of Titillating Sports.
14: Hey! Check out Channel 9. Check out Rick
7: Tunnel.
2: Check me out, yo, what you got. Open lines, 1-800-878-PLAY. We have one guest this hour, and he'll be in a little less than a half hour. Marcus Thompson writes for The Athletic. An East Bay kid like myself. Used to work with my cousin back in the day when they were uh, stringers. and uh, eh, We talked about that once. Maybe I'll bring it up. We'll see. But he's written a new book called... Dynasties. Yeah, that's right. Dynasties. The Ming Dynasty? I don't know. Qing. I was like the Qing Dynasty. There was a little accent there. Instead of just Qing Dynasty, it was Qing Dynasty. We me talk about that too. 1 800 878 play uh, to get in. So, as I was uh, trying to get to a little while ago, uh, the Major League Baseball Awards season is uh, going on. We got the gold gloves on Sunday night, and um, last night, we got the finalists of the four major awards, MVP, Cy, Rook, and Manager of the Year, and uh, that's eight awards, so we'll take a look, and by the way, the Rookie of the Year will be on next Monday, and that is called the Jackie Robinson Rookie of the Year, officially. Tuesday's Manager of the Year, Wednesday, not this week, next week, Cy Young, and the next uh, Thursday, MVP. So you have a week to ruminate. I'll probably just bring it up this once. Um, But it makes me wonder, and it makes me wonder, why those other three awards, well, one of them does have a name on it. It's Cy Young for Pete's sake. But there's no, you know, Connie Mack Manager of the Year or maybe a Babe Ruth, most valuable player. But let's take a look at the Rookies of the Year candidates. Um, we have in the senior circuit, Cardinals Dylan Carlson, the Reds Jonathan India, and the Marlins Trevor Rogers. Trevor Rogers took some time off. Uh, Dylan Carn- I think Dylan Carlson maybe got a little bit lost in there. We'll see. Jonathan India was on his way for a while. In the American League, Randy Arozarena of the Rays, and his teammate Wander Franco, and then Luis Garcia of the Astros, of course, is a pitcher. And you think about the heroics of Randy Arozarena in the 60-game COVID uh, truncated shortened season. He still qualified for a rookie this year. Wander Franco was probably going to be the best. Or one of the top five best players in baseball as his career gets going. Uh, That one's a a tough one to call. Manager of the year, Craig Council of the Brewers in the NL, Gabe Kapler of the Giants, and Mike Schilt of the Cardinals. The Cardinals broke the record with five gold glovers. They might have the rookie of the year in Dylan Carlson, uh, but there's no way in hell anyone should get it but Gabe Kapler. Gabe Kapler took a team that was reloading. I won't say rebuilding, but was reloading and had some players that any team could have had and a lot of teams didn't want. And they had the greatest season in the history of that team, which has been part of three centuries, of course. If Mike Schilt gets it, um, that would be a disaster, especially since he's already been fired. <laughs> Now that happened before when Joe Girardi won manager of the year of the Marlins and Jeffrey Loria had already fired him. And that was because Joe Girardi was uh, walking out to the mound and Jeffrey Loria was in the front row screaming something at him and Girardi snapped back at him and he said, don't talk to me while I'm managing. Talk to me after the game. Oh, is that your attitude? Well, you're fricking fired. And all I could think of is that was not the first time it happened. The first time you're walking back to the dugout and your owner's like, hey, you left that guy in there too long. What are you doing? You kind of think, yeah, shut up. The second time, what was that double switch? Why did you do that? Now a lefty's facing a righty. The other manager, he made a sub now. It backfired. What are you doing? Will you shut up? Then it goes on and on. Then finally, hey, shut your ass. Let me manage. As much of a hothead, first of all, Joe Girardi's Italian. So, you know, I have this theory the hairier you are, the, the less temper you have, or the hotter temper I should say. So he's an Italian guy, so he's got a hairy chest. That means he's got a bad temper. These are jokes, folks. Don't panic. Rick Tittle is racist against hairy chests. Is that racism? I don't know. Um <clears throat> no, but Joe Girardi's already a hothead. So I'm sure that had built up. But anyway, Gabe Kapler is the manager of the year on the planet. Then in the American League, Dusty Baker of the Astros, who will be back on a one-year deal, Kevin Cash of the Rays, and Scott Service of the Mariners. Why would Scott Service be on the list? Why? 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 They didn't make the playoffs. Because they give up a good fight down the stretch? Well, then give it to Bob Melvin. I mean, how many other teams gave a good fight down the stretch? That's ridiculous, that Scott Service. If he had got the Mariners to the playoffs after their, what, 18-year wait or longer, whatever it is for the Mariners, then, yeah, give him a little nod. Kevin Cash won in a division with some huge, huge spenders. Obviously, Yankees, Red Sox, Blue Jays. The Orioles Stunk. But the fact that the Rays were a wild card last year and then won the wild card game and then this year, of course, went to the World Series and won the pennant. But this year, they were even better by winning the division easily. Dusty Baker with the Astros. I love Dusty, but the Astros team is built to win. I would not have had as good a record, but I think I could have got the Astros to the playoffs. (laughs) Tongue in cheek. I think it should be Kevin Cash. Cy Young, Corbin Burns, Brewers, Max Scherzer, Dodgers, Zach Wheeler, Phillies. This has to go to Corbin Burns. Max Scherzer, of course, you're voting for two-thirds of it with the Nationals. Zach Wheeler had a very good year with his new team, the Phillies. Corbin Burns went to St. Mary's College, and he dominated most of the stats of the year. So I want a guy from my school to get it. In the American League, Garrett Cole, Yankees, Lance Lynn, White Sox, Robbie Ray, Blue Jays. Garrett Cole faded down the stretch. Lance Lynn didn't impress enough, I don't think. I think this is going to go to Robbie Ray, who, by the way, last year was the worst pitcher in baseball. You talk about a turnaround. And this for anyone who sucked this year, just say, hey, look at Robbie Ray. Yeah, he's got a great arm, and they didn't give up on him. And now, look, he's winning the Cy Young. Ah, ah, ah." That's what I would do. And then the MVP. A couple of Blue Jays in the junior circuit, Vlad Jr., Marcus Semyon, but no, it's Shoei Otani. Shoei Otani, I think, should be unanimous. If somebody gives a vote to one of the other guys, then they're racist against Japanese. Now I don't know. Let's see if they're hunted down like that time when uh, uh, that one reporter didn't give uh, DeGrom the Cy Young and that unanimously, it was like the one vote. And then the National League... This is a little bit more tricky. Bryce Harper, Juan Soto, and Fernando Tatis. Who would you give it to, Dom? Harper, Soto, or Tatis? He's going to give it to Harper. If Tatis hadn't got hurt, and if the pod, if the Potters had made the playoffs, I would just write Tatis's name in there. The funny thing is, the best player in baseball is probably Juan Soto. I mean, seriously, he's probably the best player in baseball. But Bryce Harper made such a splash those last six weeks, I think he's going to get a lot of love. I tend to... Uh, I tend to agree with you right there. All right, we'll take a quick break. We have open lines at 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back.
1: it doesn't really matter
8: i uh i don't like my job and
1: uh i don't think i'm gonna
6: go anymore
12: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
2: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Dr. Jonathan Scheiman. He is here from Fit Biomics, and uh, he's here to talk about how he has partnered with his alma mater, the Johnnies there in New York, St. John's uh, University, uh, and, uh, Fit is a cutting edge microbiome and, and probiotic company. Doctor, thanks for being on the show. We, we hear these words a lot like, uh, biomes and probiotics. And, and for a lot of us, we're like, I think I understand what that is. So can you, <laughs> can you clear it, clear it up in a, a brief explanation, please?
25: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first and foremost, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be on here and have an opportunity to talk about this, but, um, Yeah, you know, it's a new frontier, and I think biotechnology and metagenomics is really leading the way in terms of transforming the way we live, our health, our development, uh, and our performance. Um, And basically, you know, when we talk about the human microbiome, we're essentially talking about a community or an ecosystem of microorganisms that live in and on our body, primarily in our gut, that greatly influence everything from you know, digestion, energy metabolism, protein metabolism, neurology and immunology. Um, and these, these beneficial bacteria prime our daily lives. And essentially what we're doing at Biomics is um, seeing what sort of uh, probiotics are uniquely enriched in elite athletes and then translating those learnings into nutrition that could benefit everyone, essentially.
2: All right, and um, another uh, neophyte question: Probiotics. You know, we hear it. It's sort of like when we th- think something has electrolytes, sounds good. We don't really, we don't <laughs> know what they do. So, uh, or an antioxidant. So, what is probiotics?
25: Yeah. So, in general, the the general definition of probiotics is essentially uh, uh, a microorganism, predominantly a, a bacteria. Um, that is beneficial to us um, and sort of concern, confers a functional benefit. Um, traditionally, probiotics, as you know, are decades old. There isn't really a ton of innovation around them. They're traditionally isolated from food or baby poop or the environment or animals. And more times than not, they aid uh, you know in digestion. Um, but again, I think with the advances in biotechnology, it's rapidly accelerating discoveries in what we know about our bodies And the whole, again, ecosystem of potential next-generation probiotics that could be used for all sorts of benefits in holistic health.
2: When you talk about microbiomes, those can be, of course, distinct from individual to individual. How do you distinguish how a microbiome is in each individual and then uh, tailor it?
25: Yeah, so you know, I mentioned this whole biotechnology and genomics revolution, um, and it all comes down to using technology to sequence and decode the genetic information that are in our guts via these, you know, bacterial ecosystems. So what we could do is basically work with athletes um, or non-athletes and athletes by different sports. We could collect biological samples from their GI tract, um, and then basically through DNA sequencing get a snapshot of all the microorganisms in their gut uh, and how it changes over time, pre and post exercise. And from all of that metagenomic information, we could basically identify things that are unique or enriched or change over time that we can then isolate, purify, functionally validate, uh, and then look to commercialize to benefit uh, a bunch of folks.
2: Very interesting. Um, I have a question from a listener, April. She says, can you please ask him about decal transplants and their success in clinical trials? Is that something you know about?
25: Uh, decal, I'm not entirely sure. Maybe this is FMTs or fecal transplants. Um, and if that's what it is in general, that's, I think, probably what initiated all the excitement with microbiomes, the fact that it's dynamic, the fact that it could be, um, sort of harvested, utilized, and actually transferred. Um, you know, there's a bunch of studies out there that showed if you, you know, you transfer sort of the microbiome compositions, uh, from a healthy individual to, let's say, someone with C. diff. It cures that. There's also some ongoing studies with obesity, diabetes, autism, anything you could think of. And it's basically looking for beneficial bacteria and healthy microbiomes and transferring those to, to help broader communities.
2: A couple more questions for Dr. Jonathan Shimon in New York from Fit Biomics. You talked about bi- uh, probiotics being around for a long time. What are the next-gen probiotics?
25: Yeah, so first of all, the source. Um, and again, you know if i said hey let's get a lactobacillus species or bifidobacterium species which represent 90% of the market and let's isolate one from let's say baby poop or cheese okay maybe that's cool but what if we isolated maybe what if we isolated one from an ultramarathon runner or an olympic champion swimmer or wrestler and you're talking about variants of these probiotics that naturally thrive and function in superheroes that's one The other one is something that we're also developing that we published on, rather than just a lactobacillus or bifidobacterium, what if I told you we isolated uh, a probiotic from ultramarathon runners that naturally eat lactic acid, converts them to short chain fatty acids, and improve endurance by 13% in preclinical studies. Um, So that's an example of next generation probiotics, finding these unique beneficial microorganisms that confer holistic health benefits um, in people.
2: And then when you talk about biotechnology, how does that marry itself into functional medicine in your mind?
25: Yeah, so my background, I got a PhD in biomedicine, and a lot of times we're using technology to study disease phenotypes uh, and populations to basically improve health. And, you know, another approach in what FitBiomics is doing is, well, let's take a form-fits-function approach and natural selection, and let's look at super fit, super healthy people and what works in them. And then can we translate that and distill that down into supplements or food and beverages that keep everyone else active or healthy or fit, Um, you know, not just from, you know, treating a disease, but maybe preventing them and keeping people healthy to begin with. And I think that's part of this movement of food tech and also just food as medicine. You know, if we could create new functional products in the form of next gen probiotics, they could be useful to keep people active, fit and healthy um, so they could have better quality of life and, and support better lifestyles.
2: Very interesting, and I know you you played hoop at St. John's. Were you more Chris Mullen or were you more Mark Jackson?
25: <laughs> uh, well, I guess I was neither because <laughs> I didn't make the NBA and I got a Ph.D. in molecular biology as a backup. So, um, you know, I grew up in New York. I was a little bit of a combo guard, uh, a little bit of point, a little bit of shooting. Um, but as you know, uh, you know, I'm a Johnny for life, uh, won a Big East championship in 2000, and uh, for me, it's just exciting the evolution to go from athlete to scientist to entrepreneur and now come back home with Biomics and partner with St. John's and do our best to have our technology and next gen probiotics support um, the student athletes, but also the New York community in general.
2: Did you play for Seca or meet him at any point?
25: Well, I played for Coach Jarvis, but actually I was at the university a couple of weeks ago when they unveiled the Lou Carnesecca, the Coach Carnesecca uh, statue. Mm-hmm. So I've been fortunate to meet him a couple of times, and he obviously is just an amazing human being and has affected so many people's lives for good. And, um, again, it's just an amazing tradition and, and so lucky to be a part of it.
2: And then how does the whole NIL thing come in, name, image, likeness? How does, how, how does what you do and your expertise help these students with NIL now?
25: Yeah, I think it's, an, it's just an exciting time. I mean, first and foremost, the technology that we've developed, um, you know, from FitBiomics that we've translated into Nella Probiotics, I'd encourage everyone to check us out at NellaProbiotics.com. First and foremost, we want to support um, student-athlete um, health and performance uh, and aiding them with everything from digestion uh, to energy, sleep, recovery, endurance. Um, so our ability to provide Nella to every student-athlete at St. John's, but, you know, as you pointed out, our bigger mantra is like just athlete empowerment. And with the NIL, what we're doing is each student athlete at St. John's has the ability not to just receive Nella to help them in their personal health, but also to be ambassadors and educators and leaders of the new school and help us spread the word, educate, build our community, um, and then, you know, get compensated for that, um, you know, as any ambassador would or should. So it's a holistic player empowerment movement through technology and health, but also through education uh, and compensation as well. And we're excited to be at the forefront of this and partner with St. John's.
2: And then how do people find out more information? As you said, Nellaprobiotics.com. Where else can we go?
25: Yeah, uh, check us out on Instagram at Nellaprobiotics.com. Check us out on our website, um, Nellaprobiotics.com. It really is an exciting time. Um, you know, we're also on LinkedIn, obviously that's more just fit Biomics, um, which is our, you know, sort of platform company, but, um, it's an exciting time. We're building a new frontier and, you know, we invite everyone to join us on this journey.
2: There he is. Dr. Jonathan Scheiman for fit uh, he is the founder and CEO and a uh, good little guard back in the day, doctor, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for your time and, uh, congratulations on uh, what you got going.
25: Thank you so much. I appreciate it.
2: No doubt. And before we go to the break, you know, I've just uh, learned recently about each individual's biome. These are the things that go over my head as uh, someone who uh, has been uh, inculcated into the traditions of, you know, Western medicine. And this isn't something far out from the Far East or anything. This isn't, uh, you know, ancient uh, secrets from, from Asia. These are ways of looking at your body and all the things that go into it and all the ways you can help, all the ways you can be proactive Mr. Probiotics. All right, uh, we, we'll take a quick break. Marcus Thompson, my man, on the other side with a new book. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports SportsBio.com.
12: You must be crazy. Use a D.O.G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
2: Damn, girl. All right. Hey, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, syndicated nationally out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's uh, great to uh, bring in my guest, sports writer Marcus Thompson of The Athletic. He has yet another great basketball book. It's called Dynasties, The Ten Goat Teams That Changed the NBA Forever. And this is available from Black Dog and Leventhal Publishers. Marcus, welcome to the show. I'm holding this book in my hand. This is some high-quality stuff. This is, like, nice, shiny pages. I mean, this this book is, I haven't even read a word yet, and it's already pretty impressive.
22: <laughs> Isn't it gorgeous, right? Like, I was. Oh, that was a great uh, unboxing. You know, they send the authors, like, the first, the first stash, right? We get our little allotment. Like, opening that book was like, yo, this is nice. And the great part is, like, my daughter has still has not read my first two books because she's a hater. But, <laughs> guess I, I go into her room, and guess what's open on her desk? Mm. She, like, lured in by the art and the, the, the magistry of the book, and she's actually reading it. So I actually feel like I accomplished something by getting her to actually open the book. And she's like, yo, I just like the art.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever works, man. Um, for people who don't know Marcus Thompson, you know, he's an East Bay guy like me, but he, um, through his talent and through his personality, he was able to ingratiate himself with uh, not only Steph Curry, but Kevin Durant. And those are those two books that you wrote about. I think your style, you're so... Laid back, and um, I don't know. It's just it, it's a disarming thing. Do you think that's how you these guys have accepted you and pulled you in? Because as you know, most athletes they keep the uh, the press at arm's length.
22: Yeah, I think I, 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 I have mastered the art of being myself, <laughs> right?
2: So
22: <laughs> it's uh, I, I, I think they see that I'm you know you, you can see me coming a mile away, right? You got you, know, you gotta know who I am. You gotta know what I'm about uh i feel like steph was you know a lot of years of work right i covered him since he got to the league so we had a lot of years to kind of develop that relationship but yeah i, I i'm like popeye now i am who i am so uh some people some people love it they think it's cool you know it helps that i'm from the same like culture that they're from you know uh, oakland is uh attractive to a lot of people right just our whole vibe uh like, people like people from Oakland. Uh, so, I, th- I definitely think that helps. But there are some who don't buy it. So, just in the interest of fairness, there's some people like, I don't really, I don't want to talk to him. But those people don't aren't actually people. So I don't really count
2: them. <laughs> it's just the people who like me. It's funny you say it because. Like my
22: guy, by the way, I got to shout out my guy, Daniel Ogden, uh, who's with me. That's my homie. He's one of the people, uh, you know, he, he's all into the Oakland Tech football baby Oakland Tech who that's my guy so glad
2: he's with y'all Yeah no he was he was with me and then he went with me to 957 and now he's back here it's a, it's a small town and speaking of uh, uh, Oakland I had Baron Davis on my show last hour today and I just talked about his you know time with the We Believe team and what's the first thing he says is he said it's all about that town biz I mean you can't you can't get it out once you come
22: <laughs> right so and and he's from LA, right? Right. You know about you know you know about the Bay LA kind of history, right? And the rivalry. Uh, so for for a, a LA guy through and through to come and fall in love with Oakland is is a testament, right? Like you got guys like Steph Curry from Charlotte who loves Oakland to death. So we we just have that thing about us in the East Bay. Something something about us. We're just we're just people. People, you know, like we get along with people. We're we're all good with people.
2: Yeah, and as I you know, I was telling people, and I mentioned it to you once that you know you started off with my cousin Matt Peterson, you know, covering what high school games, and uh, you you yeah, worked you worked yeah. your way from the ground up, man.
22: Yeah, that, it's all about the grind. My, my first assignment was high school girls water polo in <laughs> Danville, California. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long way since then, right? I appreciate that, though. I think you know, it develops character. Everything is earned. Uh, that's what that's what uh that's what it's all about to be. I can tell my daughter that.
2: No doubt. All right. Let's talk about the new book, dynasties. Uh, by the way, does anybody ever say you know you left out the Ming Dynasty? Do people know this is sports? Right?
22: Yeah. No, I haven't gotten that yet. It's coming though. It's, it's only a matter of time. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. <laughs>
2: um, a lot of people think dynasties are bad for sports. You think the opposite, don't you?
22: Absolutely, especially in basketball. Uh, you know, per- perhaps you could make a case in NFL. It's bad because it's such a league driven by parity and by the local region and you know the the city or whatever. But the NBA is all about the, the dynasties. It's all about this one kind of dynamic team setting a bar and having everybody chase it and creating this kind of magnetism to the league. Like it's always been that way, from Mike and to Russell, to Magic and Bird to Jordan, right? Uh you know, Steph Curry, like that that's what it is. Uh to me it's great. It, it, it brings in a casual fan, it elicits this passion. It, it's the one time that you get that kind of that NFL rivalry sense where it's like city versus city and tradition and all that. When when the when a dynasty crops up, you start getting that type of stuff. You get those Cultural and regional elements, right? Like you know, Cleveland and and the Bay Area was beefing for four years (laughs) over (laughs) this, right? Where two cities that otherwise wouldn't care about each other now had a reason to like compare each other, right, and contrast each other. So to me, when a dynasty brings up, that's when you kind of get that fervor. Uh, And without it, the NBA just wouldn't be the NBA. It's just a bunch of a bunch of like parody, and you know, a bunch of teams that you know like in the NFL or any year somebody could win I I don't think it would be the same
2: No it's interesting and and one thing um by the way we're speaking with Marcus Thompson the new book dynasty um, dynasties when you know the warriors won the championship when i was 10 and then i had to wait until i was 50 for them <laughs> to win again and, uh, you know, we had a couple of, we had a fun TMC, you know, run TMC and the We Believe, but it was basically 35 years of mediocrity. Yeah. And one thing that I, that I always hated uh, was that when Warrior fans would say, well, the Lakers are my playoff team, because I hate the Lakers. But they, and I get it. They wanted to root, whether it was the Magic, you know, uh, Showtime team or the Shaq and Kobe Lakers. I'm just asking you, as an Oakland guy, did you root for the Lakers in the playoffs?
24: I
22: just had I had no capacity for L.A. Thank at you. all. I grew up a 49ers fan. Everybody always asked that. They're like, aren't you a Raider fan? I'm like, not nah, really, because when I grew up, they were the L.A. Raiders. Mm-hmm. And
14: you just didn't root for L.A. Mm-hmm. It's not what you
22: did. So, no, I was a Bulls fan. <laughs> I, did, I did not like the Lakers. I remember the Lakers dragging us in the playoffs, right? Uh, I remember Sleepy Floyd saving the Warriors from getting swept with his uh, 29 points in the fourth quarter, and that being like this tremendous milestone. We did get slapped, swept by the Lakers. So, yeah, no, I was not. I was not. The only time I was a Laker fan was when they played the Celtics in the finals. and I, 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 I preferred <laughs> Magic over the Celtics. So that's that's about it. But, yeah, no. I, I, you know, I couldn't stand those people either. And, and people, like, didn't know this if you weren't from here, but before the Warriors blew up, the Lakers game was, you come to a Warriors Lakers game. It was probably more Lakers than Warriors fans in there. Now it's different, but back then, the Lakers would take over Oracle uh, every time they came to town. It was Kobe and Shaq and them. It was—it was a lot. It's a lot of Lakers fans out here, even though they're now hiding under Steph Curry jerseys.
2: <laughs> no doubt. I remember. I think it was '85 when the Lakers and the Celtics played in the finals, and Arsenio Hall said that. Red back during the draft, he tried to find the white guy with the biggest cyst. You know, he's like, we need ugly white guys here. Yeah, there was a big <laughs> a big rivalry at that time. But oh, I was just looking in the book, Your First Dynasty, the George Mikan Lakers. As I mentioned, you know, Showtime and Kobe and Shaq. Uh, uh, George Mikan, I mean, you think about how big he was wearing, you know, 99. This guy, he was, would you say he was the first superstar of the league?
22: Absolutely this is without question. Uh, and I'm gonna go even further and say there is no league without George Miken. Hmm. Uh, at, at those times, pro basketball, nobody even cared. It, like people paid attention to college basketball, but AAU basketball was much was a much bigger draw uh, than pro basketball. They, they played in cages. people called them cagers. Uh, he was the first he was the first superstar, he was the first seven footer. he's the first big man. But mostly he was the first draw. He was the first thing that made pro basketball a viable business uh, and took them out of high school gyms and YFCA's and put them into actual, like, arenas where they could get 10,000 people in there. But before, before him, there was no draw. Uh, he was such a, a spectacle. He was such a unique figure that people just had to see him. So even, like, before the NBA, there was these, like, leagues, you know, he played for, like, the Chicago Gears, right? And, like, all these little leagues was trying to pop off and jump off, but they couldn't get the draw. The draw was George Mike. <laughs> and then when he got to the Minneapolis Lakers, and they started winning, uh, they won a champion, two championships before the NBA kind of formed. That's when, like, they became the central figure. So the NBA pro basketball is not a successful business venture without Mike and drawing and showing it as actually viable, that you can get 11,000 people there. So to me, he's central. Then you start adding in his ABA, right? uh, Roots, right. And how he uh, ran the ABA, which popularized the three point shot, which set the, the, the tone for what we see with Steph Curry and the ABA, which is the place where black players were able to go play, which, opened up basketball to another community and showed, like, black people could play basketball, which eventually uh, was infused into the NBA. So his impact is vastly underappreciated, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, no great knowledge. Last question for you. The the teams that were almost dynasties, like, you know, Dr. J with the Sixers and— uh, the you know uh, Miami Heat uh, not one not two not three that whole thing and then the the I almost expected to see the Jerry West Lakers in there and you think about Baylor and Goodrich and and Wilt they got close and I know the Celtics were always in their way what about those nearly teams
22: man that was tough can you believe Jerry West went one in nine in the finals wow. like that's crazy like but yeah there there were so many teams that are right on the cuffs. to me. The the Philadelphia 76ers might be outside of those uh, those Lakers. Jerry West, Elgin Baylor, Lakers. The the Seventy Sixers might be the unluckiest team. I mean, they were so good. We will never hear about them. We we still hear about West. They end up winning a championship with Wilt Chamberlain, right? Uh, but we don't. We barely hear about Andrew Tony and Moses Malone and and Doctor J like that. They were so good. And every time it was a war. And more times than not, either the Lakers survived or the, the Celtics survived. But, you know, they, they were in that mix with those three teams. And if one or two breaks the other way, we're talking about them in the way we talk about the Boston Celtics or the, or the Los Angeles Lakers. So, to me, they're the unlucky ones because they were there every year. <laughs> they were there every year. Mm-hmm. They, were, they had so many heartbreaks. It was so close. They could have won three championships easily. If things just break a little bit different, so they they actually won over my heart. And also, I would say the the '70s Knicks. Like, man, I I know Clyde Frazier from his suits and his great commentary. <laughs> I did not know he was such a monster. <laughs> like his Game Seven in set in 1970. Woo, man! I can't believe we aren't talking about that. That dude was a monster. I did not know he was that good.
2: Yeah, I remember uh, at uh, Salesian High, my first pair in 1979 when I was playing high school basketball, I got the white Dr. J's with the, with the red Converse star on it, and, man, I thought I was the man. You were right. the man. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody pick up the book, Dynasties, the 10 GOAT teams that changed the NBA forever. It's available from Black Dog and Leventhal uh, Publishers wherever good books are sold. And uh, speaking to our guest, great guy, great writer, Marcus Thompson, congratulations, my man, and uh, thanks for coming by the show.
22: No no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate
2: it. All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Byland.
1: 1759. Hello? You there in the car. Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo! I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa! That's ridiculous! Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars hauling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra $600, you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS insurance right now, and get your car washed please 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 800-756-3744 that's 800-756-3744
19: oh come
26: now don't be ashamed we all have our idiosyncrasies
12: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
2: All right, uh, real quick. We don't have a lot of time here. Hour number two. Hour number three coming up. Um, there was a play, the Patriots against the Panthers, where uh, Mac Jones, the quarterback of the Patriots, was down. He grabbed the uh, ankle of a defender after a fumble recovery and twisted it and uh, to bring that guy down. And it looks like there'll be no punishment. Now, before, I'm not a Mac Jones guy. Uh, I don't wish him any ill will. Whatever. I don't know him. I don't think he's that great. Uh, I don't think he's a star. But do you know that that's what you're taught to do? I guarantee you, that's what you are taught to do. The other thing you're taught to do is if whoever's at the bottom of the pile with the fumble, you're supposed to rip his nards off. I never did that. I didn't want to put my hand there. But people do that. You should hear the screams going on at the bottom of a pile. Man's inhumanity to man. Welcome to football. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
19: USA Radio News with Lance Pride.
20: The Biden administration told a court on Monday it has clear authority to impose a COVID-19 vaccine rule on employers with at least 100 staff and that a court's order on Saturday blocking the rule could cost dozens or even hundreds of lives daily. As people return to work, the federal government says they risk accelerating the spread of COVID-19 without the rule. Government lawyers filed their complaint in the U.S. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Two weeks after the European Union Parliament voted 580 to 26 on a resolution to strengthen European Union-Taiwan relations, an official delegation of lawyers traveled to Taiwan for the first time to deliver a simple message, you are not alone. Taiwan is an industrialized democracy that has been facing growing military intimidation from the Chinese government, which views the self-governing island as a breakaway territory and must be brought under its control. USA Radio News.
21: Hear that? That's the sound of a man guarding his home around the clock. <coughs> because he has 24-7 professional monitoring from SimpliSafe Home Security. With 24-7 professional monitoring, SimpliSafe keeps watch night and day. If there's trouble, SimpliSafe alerts him and will dispatch emergency help when needed. Get free shipping with the order of a new system at SimplySafe.com today.
18: Just in time for Christmas, Mike Lindell has dropped the price of the standard classic MyPillow, regularly $69.98 to nineteen ninety eight. dollars Now, queen and king size slightly higher, but that price includes a free press and pack bag so you can take your MyPillow with you anywhere. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, use my promo code USA, or call 1-800-951-8175. Support Mike Lindell and American Jobs and give MyPillow for Christmas.
20: In the last couple of weeks, two Americans have lost their lives because of the actions of illegal immigrants allowed into the country by the Biden administration's open border policy. Now some lawmakers are fed up with the federal government, ignoring the needs of our people.
17: Representative Chip Roy, Republican of Texas, blasted the Biden administration's incompetent immigration policies, saying blood is on his hands. The Texas congressman appeared on the Faulkner Focus Monday.
6: We're losing care. we got Border Patrol agents that we're we're bleeding out. About half of our Border Patrol agents may leave. Law enforcement that are not on the job in New York. Firefighters that are missing. Why? Because of an unnecessary virtue signaling mandate from a president who barely even knows where he is in the morning. From the
17: USA Radio News, West Texas Bureau, I'm Brad Bernards.
20: After the huge success on other platforms, Instagram is implementing ways to let users support the people they follow with money. Expect a new Instagram launch soon with a new subscription platform to be included. USA Radio News. Lights out, everybody. Matt Dillon, United
22: States Marshal. The first man they look for and the last they want to meet.
14: Pleasant dreams, Mm Hmm. (laughs)
18: the greatest radio shows of all time USA Classic Radio Theater on these radio stations or on demand by searching USA Classic Radio Theater USA Classic Radio Theater
20: as Republicans stormed last Tuesday's elections in Virginia, New Jersey, and other locations across America, many folks are not happy with the direction of America under President Biden's agenda. Republican Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina on Fox News explains the formula that Glenn Youngkin used in Virginia to defeat socialist agendas.
23: I've been I've been trying to say it for a long time and he's he just did it. Happy warriors attract a bigger crowd. That politics is a game of addition that talking about education is something that we as republicans should always focus on having parental involvement is key well, i've talked about the importance of school choice and education equality for a long time he has run on those issues that the that resonate with the average person in this country we're going to, have to just talk plain english to our folks and when we do when we champion the causes that they believe in the most we're going to be okay
20: NBC News reported Monday, a new study finds that eating more animal fat is linked to a higher risk of stroke, but the risk is reduced if people get their fat from vegetable sources, even in larger amounts. Participants who ate more amounts of animal fats, excluding dairy fat, were 16% more likely to have a stroke than those who ate the least amount of animal fat. The report concluded if everyone could make small modifications such as reducing red meat and processed meat intake, the implication for public health would be huge. I'm Lance Pry and this is USA Radio News.
2: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY. That's the number to call. I'm Rick Tittle, by the way. We have another hour. We have open lines outside of our uh, next guest. At uh, the first segment, 11 o'clock hour, we like to check in with one of our friendly prognosticators at a nun- uh, againstthenumber.com. Today, we'll go to England, and we'll talk to Simon Holden, who covers golf. What do you think of that? <clears throat> You know, It's funny, as the uh, Mets are uh, trying to find a GM right now, Sandy Alderson and Stephen Cohen, the uh, president and the owner respectively, are trying to find out. It's, it's just a matter of uh, who wants that job. And it's funny how many people have taken their name out of the running. You know, Bob Melvin apparently uh, said that he was interested in the Mets and the Padres, we end up going to the Padres. But this is a team that has Pete Alonso, Francisco Lindor, Jacob deGrom. They've got some great guys in the minors like Francisco Alvarez and Breddy Beatty. They've got some guys there. But David Stern said no thanks to GM. Theo Epstein said no thanks. Billy Bean said no thanks. It uh, We'll see. Now, there was a uh, rumor that Brian Cashman has one year left on his Yankees deal, and he could be the guy... <laughs> I really don't see that, but when Cohen came in, he settled on Jared Porter, and he fired him one month later when he found out that he had sent lewd sexual texts to a female reporter, and then Zach Scott came in as the assistant GM, and then he got a DUI. So most of their problems are off the field. Obviously, they're on the field too. Otherwise, it would have been a playoff team. But I thought it was so Oakland A's of my team to when uh, uh, David Force, the GM, was asked about, uh, you know, you still don't have a manager, and he says, "We don't really need a manager until next year." In other words, late February is spring training. I guess so. You mean he's right? But on the other hand, don't <laughs> don't you want to get a guy who's not just sitting around for a few months? I don't know. Get him on board. Get him in the room, the building, the program. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
24: Right now, sports betting is the fastest growing industry in the world. To consistently cash tickets at the sports books, it's best to be armed with the right plays from the best sports bettors in the business. That's what you'll get at AgainstTheNumber.com. At AgainstTheNumber.com, you'll get specialists with decades of experience. Betting multiple sports at a high level and many sports specific packages from the NFL to college basketball to cricket to soccer to the European tour that gives you a consistent edge on the sports book for a highly skilled, reasonably priced team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only beating the books at their own game. Visit againstthenumber.com. That's againstthenumber.com
7: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius, the best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius! The best show ever He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he So handsome. He's a genius.
2: Welcome back to the program. Rick Tittle with you. Syndicated nationally out of San Francisco, around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. $500, outlets, 177 countries. And uh, let's go across the pond. And uh, as always at 1110... In the morning, uh, Monday through Friday, we're joined by one of the professional prognosticators at AgainstTheNumber.com, which is, got to do the intro, a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college, basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey. And all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, one year, specialist-specific uh, packages. Their prices are reasonable. Their tracking and distribution process is simple, and the results are real. So we go to uh, England now to be joined by Simon Holden, who is a uh, golf aficionado. Simon, welcome to the show. And let me ask, uh, from from where do you hail uh, in England? I, uh, firstly, good
27: evening, Rick. And that uh, intro was so good; I nearly joined the site myself. Um, <laughs> I originally come from the north in Yorkshire, a place called Scarborough. But I uh, of Scarborough fair thing, Yes. I now live in uh, Ascot, just by the uh, the race.
2: The Royal Ascot, and do you uh, do you ever hire a chapeau for the Ascot, the Royal Ascot race?
27: Um, only on Thursdays.
2: <laughs> so, when you grew up in Yorkshire, did you get to Elland Road? Were you a Leeds fan?
27: I actually was not, but many of my friends are diehard uh, Leeds fans. But my father, God bless him, was uh, was from a place called Barnsley. Mm-hmm. Had a, one year in the Premier League, yeah. and uh, it was expected that I would follow them. But yeah. I'm I've been to Ellen Road many times. It, it, the atmosphere is rocking, Rick.
2: Really. How about Oakwell?
27: Oakwell, uh, for many, the, the theater of dreams. The, the <laughs> Pansel, it, it's just like watching Brazil this show. It really is.
2: All right, let's talk about some golf. And I'm still um, have the taste of the Ryder Cup in my mouth. and, and – the the poignancy for you to see Rory at the end spilling tears, but in a very, just a, a classy, respectful way, a kid who, when he first came, thought, "Ah, oh, Ryder Cup, it's only an exhibition, and then to see just how much it meant to him, what did that mean to you, as a European fan, to, to see how much it really mattered to Rory McIlroy? Well, it was very touching, of course. I mean, what
27: I have to say, Rick, my initial loyalty is for money, and I had a large bet on the USA to win. So <laughs> my tears were of joy, but Rory hadn't shown up for the the first two days. He did redeem himself on the Sunday, but it was it was a event of embarrassing proportions with the strength of the defeat. I mean, the course was set up for the American power players. That's fair enough. We did the same in France two years before. But uh, I did think we began to wave the white flag on on the first day, and it was a case of what level of beating we were going to get rather than was it going to be any sort of contest. So, uh, you know, hats off. The American team
14: were absolutely superb.
2: I saw yesterday that, or sorry, it was last week, that the PGA Tour is going to require golfers to use committee-approved yardage books next year and some people are just calling it the Bryson DeChambeau rule and so no more lasers and GPS's, these super detailed greens books uh, that it's going to be developed by the USGA and and RNA and uh, a player advisory council is this much ado about nothing or is this significant? I think
9: it's
27: highly significant because I think that the uh, PGA tour and the European tour met uh, last year to discuss really the battle, the fight back against technology. Because if we don't fight back soon, golf, we're going to get players driving the ball so far that uh, there's not going to be a course in the world that can that can uh, you know defend itself against the power. Then you've got the green books, then you've got all the devices the guys use. Well, I mean, they're supposed to be professional players. There has to be an element of of natural talent and fight back against technology. And I think this is the first step of the two tours led by the PGA Tour saying enough is enough.
2: We have the, uh, speaking of betting, if you want to take a punt or a flutter, the Houston Open. And uh, this is at Memorial Park Golf Course uh, in Houston. Brooks Koepka helped the architect, uh, Tom Doak, design this course. And so a lot of people think, that maybe he'll be one of the faves. But he's not very hot. No top 25s and three starts this season. His iron play has not been very good. In fact, he's 75th of all golfers in the field right now. How much do you give him a little bit of the hometown advantage, or are you more going with uh, who's hot, who's not?
27: Um, Recent form, I think, can often lead you to the poor house in golf. I do think that uh, a much stronger... Uh, more powerful thing for selection and and for uh, wagering is course form. Now, of course, Brooks has a great advantage He help redesign this course. Now, the first year this was done, Memorial Park had been off the list for years. And when it came back last year, I think the amount of media work that Brooks kept out to do and the pressure on him, in a sense, to win his own tournament was so strong that he struggled on the first two days. But he finished, Rick, with a pair of 65 and flying through the field to finish fifth. And I do think the worry with Brooks Kepler is that people say he only cares about the majors of the World Cup Championship. But surely he's going to want to win the, the one he designed. And I think he, he, he is the man to beat for me. Hmm.
7: Also,
2: um, I'm, I'm seeing uh, some uh, prognosticators Talk about Matthew Wolf, who's a very exciting uh, player as well. Your thoughts on Matthew Wolf?
27: My concern with Matthew Wolf this week is how he finished in Mexico. He shot sixty-one in the first round, one of the one of the best rounds I've seen of the whole uh, twenty twenty-one year. He then faded at the weekend when the pressure started. Now, this is a guy who struggled with nerves um, and struggled. On and off the course, I just feel that that may well have dented his confidence. I do think he's a major champion of the future, but I'd give him a few weeks to try and get his game back together, and uh, I would be looking elsewhere apart from the Wolf this week.
2: Tony Finau, I guess, would be the highest-ranked player in the field, uh, but then there are some others, uh, you know, outside the the Neemans, the Homas, Gooch, Burns. Um, looking at Russell Henley. Uh, you know, Scheffler, Patrick Reed, any of these other names uh, look like they're going to be there uh, on Sunday?
27: Um, I I think that this is a a, a much tougher course than people thought. When it was redesigned, the idea was that they were going to go low, that it was going to be for the big drivers, but it actually didn't turn out like that. In fact, it became uh, a very difficult course for uh, hitting the fairways. I think it was right up there with some of the tougher courses in the so I think first and foremost, we've got to look for, for people that we think are going to be hitting the uh, fairways and giving themselves a chance. You mentioned Tony Fina, I mean, a great player, but a guy with only two wins to his name, and he's always short odds. he really is a sportsbook three. Uh, a player I think will play well this week is uh, young Maverick McNeely, available around 40. Uh, I think he's coming into form, he's a very good driver of the ball. And I think he could well be one of the next
2: superstars in the most involved. That is Simon Holden against the number.com. Check it out. They know what they're talking about. Simon, cheers and uh, up the Tykes. Yes,
27: very much so. You And uh, up the Spurs
2: as well, Rick. Oh, thank you very much. Good knowledge. Yes. Come on, you yes. Spurs. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on Sports Violet.
1: That's 800-817-2968
2: I joined the Army because my father and my brother were in the Army. I thought I'd better join before I got drafted.
1: Son, uh,
24: there ain't no draft no more. There was one?
12: Tittle always goes commando.
2: I do. I know. It's kind of a shame. Open lines the rest of the way. You know, you never know when you're going to get somebody who has a Twitter account who's being sassy. And I'm not talking about a private account. I'm talking about the account for an organization, a company, a team, what have you. And we have seen, excuse me, over the years, stupid Twitter wars between teams. Sometimes it's very clever. Hopefully it's all tongue in cheek. It's mostly for fun. You know, the ones that wear it when they lose, it's always a little more fun. But there was a tweet yesterday from Bart. Did you see this, Dominic? Bart said, take Bart, then Muni to go see the hottest team in the NBA. Your chase center event ticket is your Muni ticket. Follow this thread to make uh, your transit connection. And so someone responded, Damn, y'all thirsty for writers. Bart responds, Your Lakers thirsty for wins. (laughs) You got smoked by a train. (laughs) I can tell you right now that whoever is in charge of Bart Twitter (laughs) is under 30. You got clowned. The only thing that would have been better if you had the sound, your Laker, not even R, it's just your Lakers thirsties for wins. Boop, boop. That would have been better. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I got to give a little shout out because that one made me laugh. All right. Um, and it is time for today's Bank of America Cash Rewards Player of the Day. With the chance to pull out another fourth-quarter comeback win, Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback Ben Roethlisberger guided the Steelers 52 yards in just seven plays, abetted by Chicago's 12th penalty of the night to set up Chris Boswell's 40-yard field goal with 26 seconds left. And Pittsburgh won 29-27, to its fourth straight win after a 1-3 start. Roethlisberger, who I always order when I go to In-N-Out, completed... 21 of 30 passes for 205 yards and two scores to tight end Pat Feiermuth. Yeah, ja, yeah. Ja. Ich habe Feiermuth. while pulling off the 50 game, 50th game-winning drive and 38th fourth-quarter comeback of his 18-year career. This is a kid out of the MAC, the Mid-American Conference. And that's today's Bank of America cash rewards player of the day. Those Mac quarterbacks, man, they'll get you. Tony Romo, Ben Roethlisberger, the other guy, the other guy. Now, speaking of quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers is in the news yet again. This guy, the drama surrounding him. And I know he likes to look like Meth Rogan, but that's not why the drama surrounds him. Uh, he's upset, not just because the Packers lost without him on Sunday, and by the way, the Chiefs barely beat him. It's because of the reaction the public has had when they have learned that he was not vaccinated. And the unvaccinated status became uh, public last week. He tested positive for COVID-19. And then he elaborated on the Pat McAfee show why he isn't vaccinated. He said he took ivermectin, ivermectin? It's a drug used to to prevent parasites in animals. It's one that the FDA said do not use to fight COVID 19. Okay. Rogers said he also did his own research, spoke to doctors, and was also taking advice from podcast host Joe Rogan on fighting the virus. According to People magazine, Rogers did not think the public reaction would be negative to him being unvaccinated, he reportedly feels like he just shared his point of view and now he's being crucified for it. Well, a couple of things. When I do my own research, there are things that I'm qualified to research. Very few things. And the things that I will get, the information I will get, is available basically to the general public. I don't have a whole lot of inside knowledge uh, outside of just my personal experience over the years and being a Bay Area celebrity and everyone loving me in the Bay Area. No, just having connections over the years <clears throat> and being in a lot of these things. But most of the things that I can look up, you can probably look up too outside of you know my personal being or my family. You can look up the same stuff. It's all right there. When it comes to COVID-19, if you go on the Internet, you can find anything you want, anything you want. Like, I'll bet you right now, I'll bet you 50 bucks, let's shake on it, that somebody says if you eat a lot of baloney, you'll be immune to COVID-19. I'll bet you there's an article somewhere that says that. <clears throat> it's like Bill Burr says, you can find three websites, three reputable doctors, three universities that will tell you eggs are bad for you, and then three that will tell you eggs are good for you. Um, Clay Thompson uh, on the show talking about how chocolate milk is good for you. People will say it's all sugar. And do you know what's in milk? The parasites, the blah, everything else. So where do you get your information on a worldwide pandemic? I'll lean on an uh, epidemiologist. In other words, someone who studies epidemics for a living. Now, are we going to have pandemicologists? Maybe we will. Maybe blaga Maybe we will because it's past epidemic, it's pandemic, but I remember I listened to a comedian one time, he did stand up, he goes, I'm pansexual, I like to get down with skillets at Williams-Sonoma, I'm like, all right, that's kind of funny, but I am not going to trust myself for medical information if you, I mean, look, you can go on the internet and, you know, say, what is this bump on my elbow or why does my neck hurt when I do this? And you go, ah, oh, it's probably this, it's probably that. But what does it always say? Well, well, go to a doctor. Because the internet, I'm sure you've looked up stuff. I've looked up stuff. Uh, there are eight causes for your thing. Two, really scary. <laughs> Two, completely throw away things. And then six things, eh, you probably want to treat it. You know, it's just... <clears throat> and then your mind runs wild your mind runs wild. And that's the thing. My my point is. My my point. My 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 is you're taking advice from Joe Rogan. Now, Joe Rogan is a smart guy, but Joe Rogan is a podcast host. And he's also a comedian. And he's also can kick your butt. But, you know, Rogers, the way he came out hot with oh, the woke uh, crowd is going to have it with me, blah, 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 blah. The quote in People is He knew some people would disagree with him, but he didn't know it would become the S storm it became. People who thought he were friends are turning on him. He's upset. He's very unhappy with the response to him. Well, <clears throat> as you say, how does it look? The optics, as we like to say now, the optical illusion. No, the optical reality is that if you really believe, and I think most people do, maybe you don't, but if you really believe that there is a pandemic going around and that people can die from it, that when there are all these protocols to protect your teammates and then you say, Hey, I've been inoculated. He didn't say vaccinated. I'll give him that. The semantics works for him. But if you just give the sort of nod, like I'm good, I'm all good. And now you're in the quarterback room, you're on the bus, you're on the plane, you're in the hotel, whatever. You're not quarantining yourself from others. Like Xavier McKinney does, had two picks for the Giants against the Raiders. He's unvaxxed, but he has said, look, I'm going to go along with the privations that come with not being vaxxed. I'll go along with all the, you know, the isolation. And that's fine. It's his choice. But Terry Bradshaw saying, you lied, you lied, you lied, you're a liar. You know, saying you're allergic to the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which would have gotten you a free pass from the NFL. You wouldn't have had to get vaccinated if you were allergic. You would have got a medical waiver. And then the Johnson & Johnson thing, he said that he heard from a lot of people, it makes you sterile. All right, who, Joe Rogan? Look, here's the thing. And you got to remember this is true. No one knows what it's going to do yet because it's a year old, the vaccine. And it was invented in less than a year. So, yeah, we might all get orange hair in two years. That'll be hot. You know, we we might, (laughs) we might grow an extra kneecap. I don't know. But to say I've done my own research on a pandemic or I asked a podcast host about it's pretty dumb. And you know who's pretty convincing is Joe Rogan. He's very convincing. And Joe Rogan, look, I talked to 10 guys. This is the deal. This is the deal. This is the deal. And then you have to weigh. Who do I believe? Who do I not believe? But Rogers being surprised by the response shows how tone deaf he is to what's going on right now. And the people who are around him. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byron.
3: Do you have a home that you don't want anymore?
1: 1759.
4: Hi, welcome to Furniture Depot. And you, come on in. Yes. Couches are flying off the floor at Cheyenne's Furniture Store. Sarah, can you go over to dining sets, please? She needs more sales associates before shoppers take their seats elsewhere. somebody get me a price check on trundle beds. Indeed can help her hire great people fast. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. Instant Match instantly connects you with quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get $75 towards your first sponsored job. Terms and conditions apply.
16: Yeah, we're not going to fall
19: for a banana in the tailpipe. You're not going to fall for the banana in the tailpipe? (laughs) It should be more natural, brother. It should flow out like this. Look, man, I ain't falling for no banana in my tailpipe. Break
12: Tittle ate two hundred chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
2: Ah, oh, that's some messed up stuff, man. You really made me mad. All right, the NBA. We'll talk about it just for a second. If you've if you've watched a full NBA game this season, you might have noticed some slight changes. Plays in which offensive players hurl themselves into defenders, which have traditionally resulted in a defensive foul, which lead to free throws, they've been a little bit more ignored or even deemed charges. And that's one of the NBA's emphasis this season, designed to crack down on what they call, quote, overt, abrupt, or abnormal non-basketball moves from offensive players. Interesting. It had become a staple in the arsenals of some of the most league's prolific shooters. I mean, the whole thing, the, the one that I hated the most was when a guy would pull up to shoot and then he would kick one foot forward so that even if the defender just raised his arms, there'd be contact and there'd be a foul. You know, Chris Mullen, to me, invented the lean and foul, the way he would go up and get the guy in the air and then put his shoulder into him and then come back and then shoot. Even though Mullen was initiating the contact, the guy was in the air, and it was a foul on the defender. One of the dumber things I think too is now when they review, you know, you can you can ask for a review. Like last night, Andre Iguodala had a foul call him, and he told Steve Kerr do a review, and Steve Kerr immediately asked for it. <laughs> it's just like the trust he has in Iguadala. You know, I think if Moses Moody said do a replay, I'd be like, oh, hold on, hold on wait a second, and, and Iguodala was right. But the dumbest thing about that is is there's now like a webcam right in the ref's face, and it is good for transparency, but he looks into this camera and goes, yeah, there's no foul, and we're going to do a jump ball, and blah, 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 which is cool. But a lot of the prolific scorers in the league now, they feel that genuine defensive fouls are going unpenalized. And, uh, but I'll tell you what, you know who loves it? Everybody. Fans, coaches, broadcasters, most players. Draymond Green said Can I tell, can I say how satisfying it is to watch a game without all those terrible calls, guys cheating the game and grabbing guys and getting the foul? I've been really enjoying watching basketball this year. I kind of had stopped watching the NBA a bit because it was just too flailing and flopping and guys cheating the game and getting free throws. So I think that's been great. Now, say what you want about Draymond. This isn't about him. It's just about a little quote. But there was a foul the other day that James Harden had a baby over with the Nets. He pulled up. And a defender was rolling off uh, the man that was next to him. And he just basically like brushed up against his hip while Harden was releasing the ball. And then Harden kind of backed up a couple steps and stopped after the shot missed and was like, what are we doing? How is that not a foul? And the ref is saying, but the guy, the guy accidentally bumped into you. I wish there was a crackdown like this on pass interference. <clears throat> you know, you basically have to stand there and watch the guy catch the ball. But the thing is, the correlation does not prove causation, Your Honor. But the, the occurrence about this is is that scoring has plummeted. Now, if you're a Warrior fan, I don't think you really noticed because you got Steph Curry, but around the league, teams are scoring about and per 100 possessions, about 105 points a game. Last year, was 112 points a game. So you could say right now, NBA games, uh, each team is shooting seven points less. Now, when I was a kid, if you got to 100, that was a big deal. Now, there was no three-point line until I was in college or whatever, but or outside of college. I guess it was college. Joe Hassett, the immortal Joe Hassett. But if you got to 100, it would be like, whoa. You know, it was sort of like a football team getting to 50. It's like, whoa, you got to 100. Not that there wasn't high scoring, but it would usually be like, you know, 88 to 82, that type of thing. So when you say it goes from 112 to 105, that's significant, obviously. What is that, like 5% down? But on the other hand, 105 points a game is still a lot of points. It's just that we had had that offensive explosion. Recently. And so if you look at teams scoring 90 points or fewer, that's 7% of games so far this season. Think about that. 7% of games teams have scored less than 90. And by the way, the Philadelphia is averaging 114.9. Let's round it off. 115 points a game. And that's something for sure. But as I mentioned, the points are down 7 per game. Field goal percentage is down from 466 to 445. Three-point average, 367 to 341. (laughs) And then this is hilarious. Free throws are down 1.8%. That has nothing to do with anything. But you can throw it in if it helps you. Check it in. Go for it. Let's do it. Come on. Now, the simplest explanation in this minuscule sample size of data that we're working with is that there have been only 88 games, uh, and last year we had 1,080 games. So we haven't even played a tenth of the season yet. So uh, Taylor Jenkins, who's the head coach of the Grizz, if you didn't know, he said, quote, it's early in the season, all these teams, even with an offense, even even with an off season and, and four or five, however many preseason games, you're still trying to find your rhythm and your chemistry over 82 games. I think those numbers will definitely change league wide and quote, you know, he's right. Listen, but when you're down seven points a game, you can say that's a real dearth of offense now. And that's too dramatic. And that really is the variable of how officiating has changed and it's noticeable. But, you know, free throw attempts are down. Okay, that's all right. But like anything, it's just not that simple. Because the new rules leave defenders less afraid to commit fouls, which means they can be more aggressive, right? So shouldn't there be more? It should be. But they're not getting called. Aha! So the head coach of the uh, Thunder said if they enforce the new rules with the discipline they're intending to throughout the course of the season, I think those are really impactful because they're impacting the highest impact players in most cases. When you look at the guys that are getting the majority of those calls, they're the guys that are driving the offenses, so I think that's a factor. Yeah, it's true. And if you look at the 15 scoring leaders from last season and how their free-throw attempts have changed, it's like Steph Curry, um, his points per game have gone down three. His free-throw attempts have gone down a half. But there are some really stark numbers. Bradley Beal's down seven points a game. Damian Lillard is down 10 points a game. Joel Embiid is down 7 points a game. Giannis, .4. (laughs) He's like nothing can stop him. Luka Doncic, uh, 5 points a game. But then, Jason Tatum is plus (laughs) 0.3%. But yeah, it's it's stark. It is. Donovan Mitchell, 3.5 points. Booker three points, Trey Young three points, De'Aaron Fox is down six points a game. These are all guys who were in the top fifteen last year. Trey Young said, "Who was just out in Oakland? I don't want to get fined too much, but it's frustrating. There's a lot of missed calls. It's basketball. It's just it feels that they're learning and they're just I don't know. It's frustrating. There's a lot of things that when guys are driving straight and guys are getting knocked off balance, it's still a foul." whether they're using their lower body or their hands. Here's the thing about James Harden. James Harden attempted 12 three-throws a game, and now he attempts six. That's half. Now, remember, James Harden is also known as one of the great floppers, not to take away his natural talent, the reason he's been an MVP, because the guy is one of the greatest scorers in history. He is. You take the top 20. James Harden is in the top 20 all time, whether you like him or not. I know he doesn't play defense. I know he has a weird beard that goes in front of his mouth. But it's a free country. If you want to eat a mouthful of hair every time you take a bite, go ahead. Harden said, I'm not the type to complain about it. Really? I just ask every official if they see a foul, just call a foul. Sometimes I feel like coming into a game and it's already predetermined. I already have that stigma of getting foul calls, but I just ask for officials to call what they see. Fair enough, but he's absolutely right. You do come in with a reputation. It precedes you. That's the way sports works. It's human nature. It's like it used to kill me, Wade Boggs. If he spat on a pitch, it was a ball. He's right down the middle, and and Wade Boggs is one of those guys. He had a really short batting stance, and he would follow it into the glove. Like his nose and his eyeballs would be like a millimeter away from the ball, he'd follow it into the glove. And the Empire was almost like too embarrassed. Like, I I can't call a strike on Wade Boggs. But um, whether it's new rules, defenses evolving, random shooting variances, or all three, the NBA scores now resemble those of the early 90s. And I don't think that's a bad thing. Steve Kerr chimed in. He said, I've noticed the games are more physical. I'm really enjoying watching the games. I think defense has to be a huge part of basketball, and I feel like we're getting back to that in a good way. When did Steve Kerr play? He played in the 90s. Rick Barry was on my show years ago, and I talked about you know the whole saying about in the playoffs, the NBA swallow the whistle, the refs swallow the whistle. And he got so mad because he said they should call it the exact same way every time. How are you supposed to play if they're going to call it differently? Well, maybe they're doing it now. Maybe they're doing it now. But we'll see. All right, we'll take a quick break and we'll come on back on sports Violin.
9: Who's watching?
13: Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
1: Listen, if I was a cop, I'd pull you over and ask to see your insurance. Woo, I bet that would scare the heck out of you. (laughs) But seriously, I still want you to get your insurance papers out. Whoa, that's ridiculous. Look, we all have cars. That means insurance. But newsflash, you don't have to pay a fortune for it. What smart people all over the United States are doing is saving hundreds of dollars calling AIS insurance. Some of you could be saving up to $600 a year. Maybe with an extra 600 you can get your car washed at least once a month. I mean, come on, look at it. Look, my job is to help you save money on your car insurance. So pick up the phone, call AIS Insurance right now, and get your car washed, please. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. 800-756-3744. That's 800-756-3744.
6: Teams have four attempts to move the ball ten yards. So if you see a graphic on your screen that says first and ten, that means it's the team's first attempt to get ten yards.
12: crazy. Use a D-O-G. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
2: All right. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, very timely. And this is coming down in the last 10 minutes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers um, going on uh, record uh, saying, quote, I do realize that I am a role model. I just want to acknowledge that I made some comments that people may have felt were misleading." to anybody who felt misled by those comments. I take full responsibility for those comments, and I'm excited about feeling better. I'm excited about moving forward and getting back to doing what I do best, and that's play ball. Um, I understand this, that this issue is gen- in general is very uh, charging, to a lot of people because we're talking about medical health and I respect everybody's opinion and I'm not going to hate on anybody that has said things about me. I believe everybody is entitled to their opinion. I'll always believe that I am an athlete. I'm not an activist. I'm not going to get back. Oh, I'm going to get back to doing what I do best and that's playing ball. So now after he missed the game against the chiefs, he says he's feeling better. Although he said there's a still a small po- probability he might not play against Seattle in Week 10. He still needs to get medically cleared and be sure that he can ins- uh, go through the full physical exertion of uh, you know playing. And if he doesn't go against the Seahawks, who are going to get Russell Wilson back finally, then Rodgers once again will have Jordan Love come in. So once again, Rodgers is playing damage control, which he did fairly well after saying he would never play for the Packers again, basically, and ended up coming back and is having a great year. And now everybody's hating on him. And he could have doubled down and say, all your mamas, screw you. He could have said that. But instead he's saying, hey, you know, my bad. So uh, at the end of the hour, (laughs) at the end of the show, Rodgers is being reasonable again. All right, uh, um, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow, 9 a.m. Pacific time.